Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. It's great to have you back for another episode of Texas Ag Today. I'm your host, Kerry Martin, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. We cover it all from the piney woods of East Texas out to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Farmers and ranchers' agricultural priorities are set as the state legislature convenes in Austin. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Texas High Plains corn farmers are being advised to take advantage of the good times while they last. I'm James Hunt, and I'll be bringing you that story on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories, plus news from Washington, Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. But first, here's Jessica Domel with news headlines. Texas citrus growers are forecast to produce 5 million boxes of grapefruit in the 2020-2021 season, according to a new report from the U.S. Department of Agriculture. If realized, that would be a 14% increase from last year's final production of 4.4 million boxes of grapefruit. All orange production in Texas is forecast at 1.5 million boxes. That's up 12% from last year's production of 1.3 million boxes. Early and mid-season oranges are forecast to account for 1.3 million boxes, while Valencia's are expected to count for 200,000. Texas upland cotton production fell while Pima cotton production rose in 2020, according to a new report from the U.S. Department of Agriculture. Upland cotton production was estimated at 4.7 million bales for 2020. That's down 26 percent from 2019 due to drought, damaging high winds, hail, and lower planted acreage in some areas. Yields last year averaged 627 pounds to the acre. That's up 49 pounds from 2019, but it's 156 pounds lower than 2018's average. 3.6 million acres of cotton were harvested in Texas in 2020. That's down 31 percent from 2019. In 2020, Pima cotton production was 31,000 bales higher than 2019 at 48,000 bales. Registration is underway for a pre-plant producer meeting hosted by the Extension Office in Randall County. It'll be held online the morning of January 27th. You must RSVP by 5 p.m. on January 25th to the Extension Office in Randall County. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. The 2020 U.S. cotton crop estimate was cut once again in Tuesday's USDA Crop Production and Supply and Demand Report, with most of that cut coming right here in the Texas crop. I think many in the industry were expecting the decline, but USDA doesn't generally make this large of a revision in production this late in the marketing year. That's Dr. Jody Campici, Vice President of Economics and Policy Analysis for the National Cotton Council. She says strong exports have lowered domestic stocks of cotton. U.S. mill use was lowered by 100,000 bales, but exports were increased by 250,000 to 15.25 million. This leads to a reduction in U.S. ending stocks of just over 1 million bales as compared to last month. Texas upland cotton production is now estimated at 4.7 million bales, 26% lower than 2019. 
Yield averaged 627 pounds per acre, with acreage harvested now at 3.6 million acres. That's 31% lower than 2019. More help is on the way to help control wild hogs here in Texas. USDA is investing $11.65 million in 14 projects to help agricultural producers and private landowners trap and control feral hogs. That investment is part of the Feral Swine Eradication and Control Pilot Program, and it expands that pilot program into new projects in several states, including right here in Texas. The pilot program is a joint effort between USDA's Natural Resources Conservation Service and the Animal and Plant Health Inspection Service. NRCS will provide funding to partners who provide financial assistance, education, outreach, and trapping assistance to participating landowners. The 2021 Texas Legislative Session is now underway. Tom Nicoletti has an update. Farmers, ranchers, and residents of rural communities will be closely watching action in the 87th Texas Legislative Session, which began January 12th. The state's largest farm and ranch organization, the Texas Farm Bureau, will be among the groups heavily involved in discussions with lawmakers on key issues important for agriculture. Joining me today on the program is Charlie Leal, the new state legislative director for the Texas Farm Bureau. Charlie, thanks for being with us today. Well, I appreciate it, Tom. Thank you. Let's talk about some of the priority issues that, that farmers and ranchers are going to be looking at during the session, uh, eminent domain and water. Absolutely. Uh, eminent domain is uh, is the key issue for us this session. It's a continuation of our uh, eminent domain reform efforts from recent legislative sessions, but it is the continuation of the commitment to making sure that at the eminent domain process is, is more fair for landowners across Texas. And, and in water, a major priority for, for anyone in ag and landowners across the state. Uh, and we want to make sure that their surface water and groundwater rights are protected throughout anything that comes up this session. A couple of more uh, priority issues are uh, feral hog control and farm animal liability. As, as we all know, feral hogs are a major issue across Texas, and we're looking at efforts to legalize reasonable chemical controls for feral hogs and maintaining current legal methods of controlling those. Studies show that there is a chemical that's federally approved that could be used in Texas, and we'll be looking at ensuring that landowners and ag producers have access to that. What about farm animal liability? Yeah, We're looking at the modifications to the current Farm Animal Liability Act, uh, recognizing the inherent risk in working with farm animals for, for both the ag producer and their employees. Another issue, Charlie, is truth in labeling. Yeah, truth in labeling, you know, we, we're wanting to make sure that alternative meat food products are accurately labeled. Uh, we you know, believe that customers uh, should not be influenced to purchase a product thinking it's an actual meat product. And so we're just wanting to make sure that those, uh, those advertisement or labeling on the products are, are accurate. One more issue to look at right now is a rural connectivity. As we all found out uh, through everyone kind of working from home, our kids have been uh, homeschooling for most of the year. Uh, we've all found out in rural Texas that access, as we've all known for years, uh, access to high-speed and, and dependable uh, internet and cellular technology is hit or miss, and it, we will be looking at efforts, uh, and there are significant efforts, and it seems to have widespread support at the Capitol uh, this session 
for increasing access to technology and broadband and cellular infrastructure. That is Texas Farm Bureau State Legislative Director Charlie Leal from Austin. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Texas High Plains corn farmers are being advised to take advantage of the good times while they last. James Hunt reports from Amarillo. These are good times right now for the guys that got corn to sell and kind of looking forward into the future. We see some sunshine we haven't seen in a long time. That's David Gibson of Texas Corn Producers, who tells me he's heard reports of area producers selling corn from their 2020 crop in recent days for as much as five and a half dollars a bushel. That's prices we haven't seen since going back to about seven years ago since we've had prices at those kind of levels. Texas High Plains corn farmers are in some cases receiving cash bids as much as a dollar above futures prices. And Gibson says the outlook for 2021 crop prices for our local farmers is pretty encouraging at the moment. We're looking at being able to probably really feel like we're going to get with our bases and everything, they could come in and get some $5 corn locked up for this year's production. But Gibson is urging producers to do some marketing of their anticipated 2021 production now because the market remains vulnerable. We're in position with politics and COVID around the world still and things. We could see some big swings to the negative, just like we did back in March. I think that potential hangs heavy over our head. Gibson also says the current market environment has inspired some farmers in other parts of the state to contemplate increasing their corn acres this year, but our region's water limitations will probably keep a lid on things here. For the Texas High Plains, James, I don't see us changing significantly. It might raise our acres some, but our growers are very cognizant of the Ogallala aquifer situation for irrigation water. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. American Farm Bureau delegates voted on policy priorities for 2021 at the conclusion of the American Farm Bureau's virtual annual convention. Michael Clements has more from Washington. Setting Farm Bureau's focus for 2021, key topics range from farm diversity to farm labor and dairy policy to livestock marketing. Sam Kiefer, AFB of Vice President of Public Affairs, says Farm Bureau delegates voted to increase racial diversity in agriculture. Recognizing the importance of broadening access to agriculture, our delegates voted to increase racial diversity in farming. Our new policy calls for increased funding for USDA programs that make inheriting farms easier and to promote diverse farmland. Kiefer says delegates also supported re-examining 2018 farm bill modifications to the milk pricing formula and increasing transparency in the cattle markets. Our delegates voted to provide stability in the market by supporting efforts to increase negotiated sales in fed cattle markets. Our delegates also are calling on the Risk Management Agency to provide hurricane protection coverage against both hurricane force winds and excessive rainfall and supporting modifications to the specialty crop insurance product that would allow greater options and minimize food waste. Other policy priorities include support for farm labor reforms. Recognizing the importance of the H-2A program, but also calling for reforms to expand the program and uh, provide visa workers for both seasonal and year-round operations, specifically dairy, mushrooms, and other operations that are not just for one time of the year. Delegates also enacted members to serve on the AFBF Board of Directors and National Program Committees. Find complete details at www.fb.org. Michael Clements, Washington. Are bald eagles still threatened? 
Jessica Domel explores that question coming up later in today's Wildlife Report. And new research shows that a faster method of disease detection may be available. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd takes a closer look at that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. After my first car accident, I feared the biggest damage would be to my wallet. I expected a mountain of bills and a long, drawn-out process. But my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent was there when I needed her and helped me get back on my feet and in my car in no time. Instead of a hassle, I got reassurance and a quick recovery. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an agent who's there when you need them most. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. There's some new research out that shows a faster method of disease detection may be available. Dr. Bob Judd has more. The University of Minnesota has published a study concerning the use of Oxford nanophore minion genetic sequencing to identify disease at the species and strain level. They have found this method of disease detection to be more accurate and faster than methods we are currently using. Katie James indicates in the publication Bovine Veterinarian that the researchers began with samples of Seneca virus A, which was analyzed using the Oxford nanopore minion sequencer, and whole genome sequences were created using both direct RNA sequencing and PCR DNA sequencing. Dr. Cheryl Dvorak is the researcher at the University of Minnesota leading the study, and she indicates that the world is really interconnected and infection for one part of the globe is going to eventually spread to another part of the globe. Some of the foreign animal diseases like foot and mouth disease will inevitably come to the U.S. This is very obvious at this point considering the rapid movement of the coronavirus in people across the globe. And the question is, will we be able to diagnose a foreign animal disease quickly and prevent it from spreading across the country? Genetic sequencing allows for identification of the specific DNA footprint of the disease, which allows for improved disease surveillance when illness is detected in a herd. Dr. Vorak indicates the beauty of sequencing is you know the entire genetic sequence of the virus and can determine the strain involved so you can find out if it is a new strain or a previous strain. Hopefully in the near future, your veterinarian will be able to take a sample and determine the cause of a disease within only about eight hours. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Are bald eagles still threatened? Jessica Domel answers that question in today's Wildlife Report. This week, we've been talking about bald eagles in Texas. They're active this time of year, so it's easier to see one flying. Today, we have an update from Dr. Maureen Frank, wildlife specialist for the Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service, on their population numbers and whether or not they're still listed as threatened or endangered. At one point, there were only around 400 breeding pairs in the entire lower 48. There were just hardly any. Their populations were very endangered. And now they have come back to where there's an estimated maybe 10,000 breeding pairs in the continental U.S. Texas supports about 150 of those or so. So they have definitely recovered very well. They are considered 
delisted, meaning they have come off the endangered species list. However, it's important to know that they're still protected by a couple of different laws. So almost all of our birds are protected under what's known as the Migratory Bird Treaty Act. So any bird that is migrating or any species that migrates, I mentioned that we have bald eagles that live here in Texas year-round, but because those are part of a species that migrates, those are protected under the Migratory Bird Treaty Act, and those cannot be taken, meaning they cannot be killed or harmed for any reason. Because the bald eagle is our national symbol and because of the importance of those and golden eagles both, there's a second law called the Bald and Golden Eagle Protection Act that also protects them. There's multiple ways that this species is still protected and monitored and cannot be harmed, even though their populations have recovered incredibly well. Again, today's comments from Dr. Maureen Frank from the Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dolmel. We finally saw a higher close in the cattle complex on Friday, but it wasn't nearly enough to offset the losses we saw earlier in the week. We'll take a closer look at all of Friday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it here on Texas Ag Today. know what to do if you're stuck on the railroad crossing? Get out of your vehicle. If a train is not approaching, find the blue and white emergency notification system sign on the traffic signs at the crossing. For help, call the number on the sign and give them the crossing number so they know your location and can alert train traffic. Remember, find the blue and white to save your life. For more information, visit OLI.org. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. We finally saw the cattle market turn to the upside in Friday's trade. However, that followed a week of steady losses. Although we did see a higher close on Friday, it wasn't nearly enough to overcome the losses that we saw earlier in the week. Here's a rundown of how the cattle futures market wrapped up the week. February live cattle up 70 112.77. The April up 97 at 118.20. June live cattle up a dollar 32. 116.27. January feeder cattle up a dollar 97. 134.57. March feeders up 245 at 135.82. The April up 230. 138.30. Cash-fed cattle market drifted lower throughout the week last week. We saw cattle sell at 110 on Tuesday, 109 on Wednesday, 108 on Thursday. So a steady decline in prices. We ended up wrapping up the week $3 lower compared to the previous week. Boxed beef was higher on Friday. Choice up 25 cents, 213.62. Select up 208 at 203.15. Let's check the auction markets now. We'll start with the weekly sheep and goat auction in San Angelo. Producers livestock auction selling 2,605 sheep and goats. Compared to the previous week, wool feeder lambs were 10 to 15 higher. Slaughter hair lambs 10 to 20 higher with the heavier weights going as much as 30 higher. Slaughter ewes mostly steady. Kid goats were 10 to 20 higher. Slaughter Dannies, $1.40 to $2.12, mostly in the $1.80 to $2 range. Mature Billies, $1.80 to $2.30. Wold Feeder Lambs, $1.60 to $3.20, mostly $2.20 to $3. Slaughter Lambs, the lighter weights, selling from $2.80 to $3.64. Heavy Slaughter Lambs, $2.00 to $3.38. 
Slaughter ewes, 90 to $1.28. Kid goats, 250 to 388 Mostly 330 to 370 Now let's head up to the panhandle. Cattlemen's Livestock Auction in Dalhart selling 2,087 head. Steers under 700 pounds were steady. Steers over 700 pounds, mostly 2 to $4 lower. Medium and large frame number one feeder steers weighing three to four hundred pounds brought a dollar eighty one to a dollar ninety nine. Four to five weight steers a dollar sixty three to a dollar ninety. Five to six hundred pounders a dollar forty three to a dollar seventy nine. Six to seven weight steers a dollar thirty three to a dollar fifty five a pound. Seven to eight weight steers brought a dollar eighteen to a dollar thirty four. And the heavy eight to nine hundred pounders, a dollar twenty-one to a dollar twenty-seven a pound. Back over to the futures market now. Lean hogs finished the week higher. February up a dollar sixty-two, sixty-seven ninety-two. The April up fifty-seven at seventy-two sixty-five. Class three milk higher. January milk up two at sixteen twenty-four. February milk up twenty-six cents, nineteen seventeen a hundredweight. The cotton market closed mixed in a fairly quiet trade to wrap up the week. March cotton down 45 points at 80.70. May down 38, 81.62. December cotton up 22 points, 77.02. The wheat market continuing to climb. We hit levels on Friday that we haven't seen in six years. The tight stocks situation supporting the market also news that Russia is going to double its wheat export tax to try to keep more wheat at home and less wheat going on to the world market. July Kansas City wheat up four and three quarters, six forty five and a half. July Chicago wheat up two and three quarters, six fifty seven and three quarters. The corn market mixed March corn down two and three quarters, five thirty one and a half. September corn up one and a half, four eighty-five and a half. In the energy markets, February natural gas up eight cents, two seventy-five. February crude oil down a dollar forty, fifty-two seventeen a barrel. The financial markets lower. The Dow Jones Industrial Average down a hundred twelve points at thirty thousand eight seventy. The Nasdaq down ninety-one, thirteen thousand twenty. The S and P five hundred down twenty at three thousand seven seventy-four. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up another edition of Texas Ag Today. Thanks so much for joining us. Remember, we'll be right back here next time to bring you all of the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you then. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.